I am the daughter of one of the men in the study, Freddie Lee Tyson. I'm also the daughter of Johnny Mae Neal Tyson. I have to include my wonderful mother because the two of them was on the journey together. My father had congenital syphilis from his mother. When penicillin became available, the men would deny treatment. There has been a lot of references to the study as to why some people may or may not want to take the vaccine. A lot of misinformation is out there. We have the ability to find out the facts and the opportunity to talk with people who could help us go through the facts and don't deny ourselves the opportunity the men were denied. You're streaming The Robert Wilson Show, the podcast for unfiltered, unapologetically black views on entertainment and political news. Stream the podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, or on any other major podcast streaming platforms. On this episode, Robert is joined by special guests, Talamika Bryce and Ashley Griffin, discussing critical race theory, COVID-19, mask mandates, and so much more. Let's get into the action. Welcome back to another episode of the Robert Wilson Show. On today's episode, I have two guests with me. We originally scheduled to have three, um, but due to some scheduling issues, he won't be with us today. Um, But I do have with me Mrs. Bryce and Mrs. Griffin, and both I will allow both of them to introduce themselves. You guys know I love to have our guests introduce themselves, kind of put a little spice in it for themselves. So I'll go ahead and let Ms. Bryce have the floor and introduce herself. Okay, I uh, wasn't quite expecting that one, but um, my name is Talamika Bryce. I am a visual storyteller. Um, which basically means I'm an artist of of many facets. I do photography, graphic design, web design, painting, and I'm also an award-winning filmmaker uh, as of recently. I'm also the mother of two beautiful children, two small children, they're four and seven, and the wife of a veteran. I think that's about it. An artist and an activist, I kind of I think I covered it all. <laughs> definitely. Um, thank you for uh, joining in tonight. I definitely wanted to make sure I had someone, you know, like you, who's a parent, who's also an artist. And also I followed your activism work that you've done over the last couple of years as well. I think I got acquainted with you when you organized the Women's March a few years ago. And so Um, I've been kind of following you since, and I definitely thought you would be a great voice for this particular episode. So thank you for joining. I'm Ashley Griffin. I'm currently a PhD candidate at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, where I'm pursuing my PhD in neuroscience. Um, Science is my passion, but I also have other passions, including policy as well as activism. So In 2018, I served as Miss Black Mississippi USA. And during that time, I went across the state 
talking to many civil rights leaders. I had a chance to meet John Lewis, um, especially, I mean, that's, that was just amazing. Um, listen to those stories and being able to come back to my community in Greenwood and sit and talk with some of the movers and shakers of possibly getting um, grants and different things to our um, community um, through my experience. My platform was about Alzheimer's awareness. It still goes back to the brain and the science. And I um, hopefully want to have a career to tie in my science, my policy, and my activism together. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you as well for, for joining in tonight for, to, for this episode. Um, I really just followed you a couple of over the years of, you know, some of the work that you've been doing, you know, since you were uh, at, you know, since you were in high school, really. Um, so it's great to have both of you here tonight to kind of have the discussion that we're going to have um, for this podcast. Um, the goal of it is to bring, bring a little awareness to a lot of the different issues that are affecting, you know, Black and Brown people, LGBTQ people, and just our, our, all of our people in general when it, and when it comes down to like minorities. Um, and so we, we, I use this show to kind of talk about a lot of different things um, from entertainment as well as to politics. So our first thing we're gonna, our first um, topic we're gonna jump right on into tonight. Um, um, the first topic we're going to cover is critical race theory and pretty much what critical race theory is is if just in my opinion um it's pretty much just you know basic black history that should be already being taught but it's really not being taught um it's really authentic black history not just you know the whole every February, you know, we talk about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, and there's so much more to our history. And um, a lot of what, what I'm seeing with, you know, the discussion when it comes down to critical race theory is that, you know, a lot of Republicans and a lot of white people, we're just going to call them what, they, or what it is, um, a lot of white people and even some Black people um, who think that, you know, this whole notion that we shouldn't shame people, you know, we shouldn't make people feel bad, but it's literally the history of what these people did to us. Um, so I guess I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts on, you know, critical race theory and the whole, the whole idea of, you know, pretty much Republicans turning critical race theory into like the boogeyman or whatever. And, you know, um, you have Republicans in, in several states taking it out of curriculums and stuff like that in states where it doesn't even exist. Like in Tennessee, they are banning critical race theory, but critical race theory and like the Tennessee education system is not even a thing. So what are you guys' thoughts? Um, so from what I researched, I thought critical race theory was like a college level course for college level courses. So I know at Delta State, and I, and when I think of critical race theory, I think of more than just what happened in the US. So Delta State actually had a class just based on World War II and got into a lot of that 
Jewish, Nazi, Hitler, etc. Um, and they also had classes, history classes and courses that went into civil rights, that went into um, from us leaving, well, um, being taken from Africa to us being here to Jim Crow. So when I saw that they were like, oh, we're trying to teach our kids this, I was like, I thought this was a college level course. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Maybe it's because I'm in the sciences. I don't know. But I really just thought those were college level courses. And if that's the case, I always tell my friends, ignorance is bliss. If you don't know it, if you don't want to know about it, if you don't want to learn it, of course, you can just think that we had this beautiful history, et cetera, et cetera. And we can just forget about it and put a Band-Aid on it. And it's in the past. And it's really not. It probably accounts to maybe 10 to 15. But it's kind of funny that, but like you said, that last part, like, you know, about like forgetting about it or whatever, it's like, you know, they don't want us to talk about, you know, you know, the history of Black people and, you know, speaking on like, you know, all of these different things that have happened to us over 400 years, but they love their Confederate statues and they love their Confederate flag and all of that. But it's like when you try to talk about like, you know, the history of Black people, you know, in general, the overall totality of our history, like you said, you know, the coming, the coming from Africa over to America and all of these different things, you know, it's always, we shouldn't teach that to the kids and we shouldn't really, you know, you know, we, we just shouldn't push that onto the kids to make the kids feel, you know, make the white kids feel like, you know, they're, 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 their families are terrible people and different things like that. And so I, I definitely want to get, you know, Mrs. Bryce's thoughts on that thing that she has kids, you know, you know, what, how does she feel about, you know, that, you know, critical race theory being a thing in school, even though it's really not. Well, to me, critical race theory is just American history. It's the truth. Um, and like, um, um, like, like, like was said before, it's not even taught until you get to collegiate levels and it's, you have an option to take the class. I think critical, what they say as critical race theory, which is basically the truth of America and is coming to be, is a small part of what will lead to the degrade, degradation of a white supremacist society. Um, as long as you continue to teach things, and I know I had an issue myself with my son during COVID and everything, uh, still saying the Pledge of Allegiance, like why are we pledging allegiance to a flag? And when I particularly took exception to it was the day after um, the verdict, the announcement about Breonna Taylor. So why would you have my little son pledge allegiance to a flag to a society that has never had any allegiance towards him. So I think once we really start to dismantle some of this white supremacist ideology that has been embedded into our school systems and our institutions, we can be able to cre create, once we look at the history of that, it, it, it is the path to the um, degradation of mediocre white men 
who have made it in society simply by the color of their skin. Um, and they're afraid of that because you've had people that, you know, that's that's the only thing. Like you go to the bank and and my papa knows this person and that's how I'm able to get this loan. But once you really start to look at the fact that you're getting loans on stolen land, then the whole system has to change. And I think that's what they're afraid of. Definitely. And um, one of the things that like, you know, that bothers me so much about it. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it on this particular episode is because, the, like I said, the same people who are pushing, you know, for critical race theory to not be in schools and all of this are the same people who are currently and this is going to lead into like the next segment that I really wanted to talk about is COVID-19 because these are the same people who are currently out protesting masks. Um, They are saying they're not going to get the vaccine. And it's just so much with these people. And and, and for me, um, um, I'm not really, I'm I'm a Democrat at heart. Like I'm going to go vote for the best candidate for black people. And right now, in this, you know, this particular political climate, Democrats are the best people to vote for realistically when it comes down to certain getting certain policies um, passed and different things like that. But when you think about, you know, how some of these people are literally out here protesting a mask and all of this stuff saying, you know, oh, it's my right. And I, I just, just all of the crazy things that they're saying when it comes down to COVID and, and seeing them talk about freedom and all of this other stuff. And at the same time, they're protesting critical race theory. And so um, going into like, you know, talking about the COVID pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, Mississippi is really battling it really bad at the current moment. Um, um, there's reports that, you know, our hospitals are over, are becoming overwhelmed. Um, and then, of course, you know, we just had the hurricane that just came through as well. And so, the, um, like the last week, they had to close down, well, over the weekend, they had to close down the, you know, the testing sites and different things like that. And so, how, how have you guys been faring with the pandemic and, you know, um, I guess um, I want to kind of get Mrs. Bryce's perspective a little bit um, because, you know, you have kids and I, I I saw on Facebook, you talked about, you know, homeschooling your children, different things like that. And we know right now the Delta variant is really affecting the children. So how have you guys been faring with the pandemic? So up to now. Uh, the pandemic has brought out <laughs> things in me that I didn't even know was there. I think it's the same for a lot of us. Um, you know, a lot of times I worked from, you know, I, I worked from, um, I worked in different places. Sometimes I work from home, but I would go pick my kids up. But when it came to after virtual, which was awful, um, and it came down to sending my son back with mask optional and at some point in time it's just like this makes no sense whatsoever and you have to do what's best for your family so um the educational system in mississippi the government in mississippi is not really operating from um you can't even say it's logic almost it's just like 
for us to be a pro-life state, we are the worst when it comes to infant mortality, when it comes to, we don't expand Medicaid. Um, our, our school systems are consistently underfunded, but then at the same time, you want to talk about these fetuses and these babies and all of this, the possibilities of children without actually taking care of the children. So, um, I actually had to adjust my hours, but at the same time, I found a different way to communicate with my children during COVID and also being able to pour into them so that they can see their value outside of an academic setting and to teach him what I would like to teach him. Like you said before, uh, Robert, about, you know, in February, these little things about Martin Luther King and um, Rosa Parks, well, you know, we're Black 365. So I want to be able to install that knowledge and that power within him about what that means, um, how you move through the world, how you change the world for the better. So COVID has really pushed me into some radical places that I didn't even think I would be in, but I feel like my family is the better for it. Yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, you know, with like, you know, de dealing with this pandemic is, is, is sort of, for me, it's been rocky. Um, I don't have any kids or anything. Um, but I, I, last year I did have COVID and it mm -hmm. kind of messed, it kind of, I was, I, I was pretty much out of commission for everything that I had planned last August because I was sick for pretty much the whole month. Um, but just just the thought of, you know, kids having to go back to school. And I caught a lot of flack on Facebook because I, I for me, it's 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 too it's kind of twofold for me. Um I'm also one I, I believe that the kids shouldn't be back in school, you know, simply because, you know, the the dealing with I think that like certain certain age groups of kids aren't really at the age where they're responsible enough to be able to wear their mask mm -hmm. on their own without being told multiple times a day and we shouldn't you know put that strain on teachers to be stressed out about telling kids to put a mask on all day but I do feel like there is also a personal responsibility on you know parents as well and uh, the adults in the situations because just particularly in Greenwood, I've seen multiple parents who are like taking their kid, like over the summer, they took their kids to Miami, you know, they was going all over the place and like they, they would like, they would like be taking pictures with no mask on. And like the kids in my neighborhood, I've seen them, you know, in large groups and different things like that with no mask on. And it's just like now, it's time to go back to school and like some some of the anger is just like not warranted from some parents but I definitely feel like the parents who are taking it serious the parents who are literally doing what they have to do for their kids you know should have that choice to be able to say okay I want my children to be virtual which which is something that you know the, the the Mississippi Department of Education has done now they have given the option to school districts um and I definitely think that that is something that is needed. Um, but education in Mississippi sucks anyway. And so I definitely think that the COVID pandemic offered a great opportunity for parents to be able to, to be able to have their children. And I, and I really hope that some parents actually did, like you said, you know, took advantage of the opportunity to be able to, you know, teach their children 
our history at home and not expect, you know, the school to be teaching them our history because we all know the school system teaches them the whitewashed history, you know, of Black people. And so it's great that, you know, this has provided the opportunity for parents to do that. And I don't really know how many parents have actually taken advantage of that, but it's great to hear that you have taken advantage of that opportunity. Um, I wanted to bring Ashley into the conversation on, on this because me and her have had a couple of debates about it. Like I said, um, I just feel like it's really a personal responsibility thing, it, it, you know, for the most part at this point, because I feel like the government has, I kind of just feel, for Mississippi, I don't feel like our state government has done the best that they could possibly do, but I feel like the federal government has done the best that they could possibly do since Biden has been in office, I'll say that much. Um, vaccines are easily accessible for the most part. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of information out there if people know if people decide to go look for it. Um, and so I just kind of want to bring Ashley in on this discussion. Um, like, um, you know, she's she's working right now in the in the science field, and I think she also works at UMCC. If I'm, I said, hope I said that right down in Jackson. Um, so just kind of tell us about your experience. You know navigating the pandemic um through you know being being that you're ma you know currently majoring in the science field right so currently i help my mentor we actually have a study looking at covid and pregnant women mm -hmm. um you rarely see um acog it's the american college of obstetrics and gynecology recommend vaccines for pregnant women, but they recommended the COVID vaccine. Um, the ACOG president is actually at UMC. Um, Ms. Dr. Tucker, um, Marty Tucker, um, he's the chair of the OBGYN department. And the reason why, when I say COVID has, I, um, it's a research team. We have multiple OBGYNs. We, Dr. Wallace, she's a, um, she's like the research aspect, like the basic research. So like the bench top, you know, centrifuge, that's my little area, um, processing samples and stuff. But we, when we talk to these OBGYNs, they're doing bedside C-sections because the patients are intubated. And you might see one of those in your career. Now you're seeing them maybe two to three times a week. Um, and it's taken a toll. So going back to what y'all were saying about like healthcare, when Mississippi opted out of um, Obamacare or um, we lost out on millions, millions and millions of dollars. And we're feeling that effect now because UMC and like a lot of hospitals across the state, they had to cancel their elective surgeries. And that's how hospitals make their money, their elective surgeries. Um, and also Medicare gives more money back to hospitals than private insurance. So we lost out a lot of money. That's why you can see these other states be able to buy nurses, pay nurses, very nice. <laughs> I probably went into the wrong field, um, but pay them very nicely and we are not competitively like we're not competitive enough um in comparison as for the mass mandates 
um, it's kind of too late now, we're here now. I really felt like before school started, you either showed you are, you sh you whether you're vaccinated or not, because a vaccine is not a cure. Whether you're vaccinated or not, you should have had a negative COVID test. And that way you would have minimized this, like if there was any type of outbreak, like as soon as school started, I won't, it was one of those counties in Southern Mississippi, I wanna say Scott County, I can't remember, they had an outbreak like two days after school started. That kid already had COVID before school started. The kid didn't probably did not contract COVID at school, but the kid brought COVID from home and took it to school. Um, it, it would be expensive, but I feel like regular testing and mask mandates, I understand some school systems optional. I'm for the mask mandates in school. Mm -hmm. There are kids, there are young people, there are kids that are dying. And if they don't die, they have health problems later on. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm getting my PhD in neuroscience and I've been reading a couple articles, but we are still trying to figure out what COVID does to the brain. Um, and then that comes to memory, that goes to um, behavior, de depression, anxiety. So we're still trying to figure out what the um, COVID virus actually does to the brain. How does it affect the blood brain barrier, um, et cetera. So anything and everything that we can do to, and like, um, she said earlier, for us to be a pro-life state, we are really not doing what we can do to protect the lives that we do have here right now, in my opinion. Um, and, and let's not even forget, like, you know, the people that are screaming, you know, freedom to wear my mask and, you know, <laughs> but like, you got the freedom to wear your mask and you talk about my body, my choice, but you don't oh. keep that same energy with women in abortions, like, Almost definitely. I had the conversation the other day with somebody. Um, I was just like, it's so crazy. It was actually one of my classmates. He um, he is actually getting his degree in immunology. So when we talk, I'm just like, fill me with knowledge. Because yeah, I understand science. And yes, I do work with COVID. But he like really works with COVID. He has to understand how COVID affects preeclampsia, how COVID affects, which is the hypertensive disorder of pregnancy and stuff. And he's like, it's just so confusing. How can you say my body, my choice and how the government and how we have autonomy over our body and stuff, but you wanna like make legislation on other people's bodies, but that's another topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I wanna get into science policy because I'm like, you know, a lot of there, when I went to Washington, D.C. to actually talk to some legislators, there's only there were only two representatives that had a science background and they're both Democratic. And if you don't understand science and you're making laws and bills or you're not making mandates or you don't understand and it's not even understanding, it's listening to false information. Mm. about a vaccine or what the vaccine is going to do or what the mask is going to do or oh I can't breathe with the mask on and it's and like I'm no. so glad you know you mentioned like <laughs> you know the false information because I literally saw well I shared it on my Facebook page but like a few days ago somebody made this viral Facebook post and was like you do know that the FDA approved the Tuskegee experiment as well. And it was like, you know, that was uh, that was like after the FDA like um, approved the Pfizer vaccine, I think it was. And it's just like, 
the FBA wasn't even a thing during the, <laughs> you know, the Tuskegee experiments. It's like some of these things are like simple, a simple Google search. Like you can literally just search up, you know, when was the FBA started? And you will see that it wasn't even around, you know, at the beginning of the Tuskegee experiment. So just things like that is just like weird to me. <laughs> like people and the are thing really about it is, these small things, um, you know, to determine their health care. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no. Like the thing about it is the scientific field has changed so much since then. Um, there are courses that if you are doing research in any institution in the United States, you have to take courses that talk about the Tuskegee um, experiments, that talk about what Hitler did with the twins and the Newman-Bird um, report. Like there are, you have to take courses, ethic courses at every stage of your um, career. So when I did undergrad research, I had to take that course. When I came back and I worked as an employee before I started school, I had to take that course. When I came back as a student, I had to take that course. And when I graduate and I go somewhere else and I, you know, become a postdoc or I go into industry or whatever, I have to still take an ethics course. So I think the problem is everybody saw science in real time. Science evolves. And science is not a yes or no. It's not a definite answer. There's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of exceptions to the rules. There's a lot of, okay, our, yes, 90% of my experiments fit under my hypothesis, but 10% don't. And I really don't know why. But you know what? I'm gonna do another experiment to figure out why that 10% doesn't fit under my hypothesis. And then next week after I finish that, now we see that, okay, there's a little extra. So, okay, the vaccine, so now we know that vaccinated people are actually probably spreading the virus just as much as unvaccinated people. Okay. Oh my goodness. The vaccines doesn't work. No, it's just one, there's a new variant. Two, in order for a vaccine to efficiently work in a large population, the majority of that population had to get the vaccine. And that's what we saw with measles, with chickenpox, smallpox, shingles um polio 95 to 98 percent of that population before the anti-vax caused autism people came about were vaccinated and basically eradicated those diseases or viruses in the united states it's different in third world, um, world countries but in the united states we didn't see those diseases until a couple of years ago, there was like a large measles outbreak in New York. Um, so I feel like with scientists, it's kind of our duty to explain. And that's where, why I wanted to get into science policy. It's our duty to explain science in layman's term, but also to explain that, hey, science is continuously evolving. Um, we learn things new every day. You can put go to PubMed and like ask for COVID um, articles and you will probably get an email every 30 seconds. All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, you guys. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a few moments with our converse, with our continued conversation on critical race theory 
um, COVID-19, um, uh, the vaccine, vaccines, black education. We'll be back on the other side of this break with a continued discussion of all of the things. Be right back. Everyone has something to say, a story to tell. We make it easy to share yours. So let's talk. Regardless of your podcast setup, hit record. And from there, whether your podcast reaches 10 people or 10 million, we can help you get heard wherever listeners are. And who knows, maybe even quit your day job. But no matter who hears you, it's about connecting and sharing something from your perspective. It's about having a voice and using it without anything standing in your way. Say it all with anger. Need a boy, you can cuddle with me all night. Give me one, let me long, be my sunlight. Tell me lies, we can argue, we can fight. Yeah, we did it before, but we'll do it tonight. Yeah, that fro black boy with the gold teeth. The dark skin looking at me like you know me. I wonder if you got the G or the B. Let me find out to see you coming over to me. I'm stressing at night Be like, you'll be okay And everything's alright uh, Let me in nothing Cause I'm not wanting anything But you're loving your body And a little bit of your brain These days are way too lonely I'm missing out, I know These days are way too long And I'm not forgiving love away But I want You're listening to The Robert Wilson Show, the podcast for unfiltered and unapologetically black views on the latest in entertainment and political news. 
Catch all new episodes monthly on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcast streaming platforms. Let's get into it. Just bring it full circle with like, you know, we were just talking about like critical race theory and like, you know, the education system and, you know, kids going back to school and things like that. Um, just thinking about like, you know, the amount of people that were sharing that Facebook post that I had seen and just talking about, you know, the va- seeing people share a post about the vaccine and even seeing activists who are, you know, doing the same work that me and Miss Bryce and you, um, Ashley, are doing. Um, just seeing, you know, even activists who are doing the work that we're doing, you know, to uplift our people, spreading false information. Um, for people that don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, the Tuskegee experiment wasn't even a situation where, you know, they were giving people actual drugs. Like the the situation that happened with the Tuskegee experiment was the fact that they willingly let these people carry syphilis for years without giving them the, the treatment that they needed. And even after they scientists and you know people started figuring that penicillin was um, sort of a cure for syphilis they weren't giving the black men that they had promised this treatment, they were still giving them placebos. And so hearing people talk about like, oh, the vaccine, you know what they did with, it's like, it's like, I feel like it's a conflation between the two. And I feel like this goes back to, you know, us educating our people properly, because I personally did not know about the Tuskegee experiment until I got to college. And so, I can only imagine students right now in high school, they're hearing all this stuff on, seeing all this stuff on Facebook and hearing all this stuff about Tuskegee experiment. They don't even know what it is. They're just seeing it on Facebook. And so I, I, I like, what are your thoughts on that, Miss Bryce? Uh, about which part? I know that the descendants of the Tuskegee Airmen, one of them have actually came out in support of the vaccine and pretty much said the same thing that you did like well no this is not exactly what happened it's the opposite these people weren't allowed access to a cure so you know you can't compare that so uh, it's all very disheartening there are people that i know and love dearly that are anti-vaccine well you know uh some and also African American with the the difference in between the two is that you know with the um what seems to be happening with the majority population is that they are buying into Fox News and different scenarios like that you can't really uh, equate one with the other and you're all right in that it really does come down to educating the population i think i was a bit of a nerd and I grew up in the whole thing without the internet so I learned about the Tuskegee uh, experiment when I was about 12. Um, so I think being properly informed is plays a huge role in getting on the other side of uh, equity and defeating this virus. 
Yes, definitely. And like I said, I feel I, like just from, you know, being, you know, doing activism work, it, it, it really, it really makes me sad when I see like people, like I said, people who are out here actively doing the work to uplift our people, telling them not to get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then they use like the Tuskegee experiment. Like I, I understand the hesitancy, but when you utilize the Tuskegee experiment, it's like you're, you're, you're really not using a good example when you're referring to like the COVID-19 vaccine, like the difference is like they literally weren't giving these people anything for the fact that they were carrying around syphilis and with COVID, they're literally trying to give us something to save our lives and we're telling people not to get it. Um, so that that's just really bothered me. Um, and, and like I said, it just brings full circle the whole piece about, you know, educating our children and making sure that our children are getting black history like you said 365 um you know and not just when february comes around we're talking about martin luther king and and don't get me wrong i I love our black history month Um, i'm glad that we have it but i feel like we we've gotten to this mindset where we only want to talk about black history in black history month like we don't want to have black history events every month you know every month we don't we don't educate ourselves every month it's it's always when February rolls around everybody's excited to talk about black history and then it's talking about the same people every year and we're not really talking about other things that are just as much important um like black wall street you know the tuskegee experiment um mississippi has our own rich history of you know civil rights and black history um here in mississippi uh, greenwood especially um we we just we're not even you know 60 years out from our fight with voting rights and different things like that um like even in greenwood we just had this racist restaurant closed down uh, and this restaurant loose goes this is the same restaurant where the white citizens council met back in like the 60s and they are just closing their doors and most black people don't even know that in town um so things like you know making sure we're educating our people on these things so that you know when pandemics and different things like that happen we're not bringing up like the tuskegee experiment you know when it comes down to like a vaccine because the the two are just not the same um and um i kind of want to go into like the last topic um um, I did say I wanted to kind of bring, you know, kind of talk about like the hurricane, um, Hurricane Ida that just came through. Um, like I said, Hurricane Ida, pro- we'll probably see a vast decrease in like our COVID numbers next week, um, simply because um, the, the two or three day um, time when the state wasn't testing over the weekend um, due to the coronavirus. Um, but I get. I guess my 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 kind of the things I wanted to kind of discuss about like um, the hurricane is like um, I don't know if you guys um, kind of do do a lot. Like I, I'm a I'm a weather nerd, so like during weather um, happenings, I guess I could call it um, like there are hurricanes when there's you know severe weather outbreaks. I'm always tuned in. Um, to just kind of see, you know, how are, you know, how are Black people faring, pretty much. Um, and I, I was really kind of upset over the weekend watching, you know, the hurricane come through or whatever. And as it was hitting Louisiana, um, there was a lot of people on Twitter in particular who were 
putting their address out, were pretty much begging for help. And like you turn on the news and they was only talking about New Orleans. And Mm so I guess the conversation I want to kind of have right now is like, you know, you know, how are Black people when it comes down to like, you know, like the science of like the the the, cli- the climate change, I guess I would say, you know, black people, I, I don't feel like climate change is one of our top priorities because we're, we're, we're impacted by so many other things. So I guess like coming from an activist standpoint with Ms. Bryce and as well as a parent um, and Ashley, you know, someone who's in science, how do you think that we could, how, how do you think we could get Black people, the Black community, more informed and more into what's going on with climate change right now? Um, I think part of it is actually breaking down, uh, you know, put it in everyday terms that they can relate to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, why is it so hot lately? How are these hundred year storms that, you know, are only supposed to happen every hundred years now, happening every couple of years. Um, I think that's part of the process. Also, even when it comes to, to circle back to what we talked about earlier, when it comes to black history and Martin Luther King, one of the last things that Martin Luther King was doing was the poor people's um, campaign. That was one of his last acts that he'd started, which came through Marks, Mississippi, which is a part of the Delta. And part of it was talking about how, you know, pollution, different things within cities, how that affects the people around it. Part of it is as well, when we talk about Martin Luther King, we only pick and choose certain quotes and passages instead of really diving into who he was with his um, criticism of the moderate, with his letters from um, the Birmingham jail. I think we really need to, fully look at that history and who all it impacts. Also, when it comes to unity and being able to build a more equitable society, you know, Black people, I think, I can't remember, I think Zora Neale Hurston was the one that says, you know, Black woman is the mule. Um, you know, that, that, that adage is also true. If you look at what happened with, with Martin Luther King when he had the Poor People's Rally, what happened with Fred Hampton right before he was assassinated, is finding the intersectionality between um, different groups to be able to adequately move forward and, and create a more just union on the, you know, ashes of the patriarchy. Um, I, I do think that's going to be part of it is diving into how does this affect you? You know, my years in marketing, uh, someone says like, you know, you're selling a product, no, nobody cares. You know, nobody really cares about what happens to you as much as they do to them. So it's always in packaging in a way where they can see the changes and how their vote and their actions can create a, a better society in the community right there in front of them. Yeah, definitely. Because like, like, I just know it like in Mississippi, we, we all know that for the majority, Mississippi is one of those states that like deny climate change, yet pretty much every year we're being hit by a major hurricane. And for me growing up, like growing up, like the only major hurricane I can remember was Hurricane Katrina. 
And like lately, it's like every year there's a major hurricane. And so, like you said, I definitely think, you know, putting it into putting the, the putting it into perspective that, you know, people understand. Um, I think that when people hear climate change, they think of it, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, sort of like, you know, it just black people, um, we're unfiltered here. So I feel like, you know, black people see it as like, you know, oh, that's a white issue. That's, that's the other people issue. And it's not really something that really just is affecting, affecting us, but it's really affecting everybody. Um, because like you said, you know, this is every year, these, you know, 100 year storms like um you know down in haiti um where they're having literally every year there's a major earthquake now um whereas in the past it may you know they may go five years or 10 years without seeing a major earthquake now it's every year um so i i and i definitely want to get ashley's thoughts on you know like the scientific aspect of it like you know how can our schools do a better job of you know putting put edge, I guess, uh, the educational portion of, you know, climate change and, you know, how is it and why is it important, you know, how, how it's affecting everybody, not just even just the Black community, you know, Black communities and minority communities, but how is climate change affecting everybody, you know, all around the world, really, not even just in Mississippi. So I guess my question to you is kind of like, you know, you're, right now you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing a major in science, um, uh, in the science field. And I guess, uh, you know, it is, is it something you feel like, you know, is being pushed hard enough or, you know, from just the policy standpoint of it, I guess. So I will say like geographical and climate science is not pushed because I can't tell you anything about it, yeah. but <laughs> I will say, and I follow, I do follow um, a couple. So on Twitter, there's like Black and Miro or like Black and Geo. So like different, like there's Black and X. So it's like Black and computer science. So I follow different people um, because the fields are so small. But I will say from what I've seen, social media is probably going to be our biggest helper um, it just connects us to places that we never really probably would have ever connected to. I mean, reading in a newspaper about, oh, this is how bad Katrina was and hearing about it and seeing the things, it was really traumatizing. And then when we look at Ida, I'm like, this was worse than Katrina for real. Like you see the, the ring cameras, you see like videos from the fire departments or from police departments. And Honestly, similar to the Australia wildfires and the California wildfires, social media is probably going to be our biggest asset to showing kids, hey, especially two or three years from now, this was the result of Ida. If yes, you might not have been here when Ida was here, especially like college kids who may go to like Xavier or go to somewhere in New Orleans for school, you might not have been here when Ida happened. So you might think you can ride it out, but I just want to show you what happened. Um, and then it's like, wow, well, okay. Well, what can we do to help with this? Starting those type of conversation, like these massive events are caused by the minor things that we do in our everyday, everyday lives that have just accumulated 
over hundreds and hundreds of years from cars, from not recycling, from, it's just hot. Like I was walking to my car today because um, it's a mile walk from where I work to where I park. And I told my mama, I was like, this is not the same hot mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And it's not the same yeah, hot. And, and like, Ashley, you know, we're, I don't know how much you grew up in Browning, but I grew up in Browning and it was hot, hot in Browning growing up. Like it was definitely like, extremely hot back then like and now I'm like I don't even go outside for the most part <laughs> but I agree, I agree wholeheartedly especially by those um feels mm-hmm. and I I do believe that you know social media and having representation in these fields and connecting in these fields and social media and like social like especially Twitter connecting with people in those fields hey can you come talk to like I, I understand you're in California or you're in Washington or wherever you're at can you just come in on a zoom or can you make a little video showing what you do why it's important some people don't I didn't even realize you can get I didn't realize you can get a PhD until I got to college and mm-hmm. I was like I don't want to go be a doctor I don't want to be an MD and my mentor was like, well, you know, you can get your PhD, you can do research. And I was like, really? So having that exposure, like my nephew love rocks. Kids mm. have interests with the earth already, whether it's earthworms or gross little bugs or whatever the case may be. The, taking those moments and explaining, you know, what what's the purpose of an earthworm? You know, they're here to eat dead stuff or um why is this rock this color compared to that rock um just taking those moments to teach and it and it goes back to education and maybe the lack of that we have in Mississippi yeah and yeah that and that's why like I I, like I said I wanted to make sure that I brought this topic up because I feel like you know as a community, we can't really advocate for things if we don't necessarily know the totality of what we're advocating for. And so, like I said, it, it really, it really hurt me to see, you know, so many, you know, people of color and minorities pretty much on, like I said, on, on Twitter over the weekend, like really like struggling, like try begging, they were like begging, you know, people to like come rescue them from their homes and different things like that. And then, like I said, to turn on the news and to turn on these networks and not see, you know, the news pretty much covering, hey, these people are stuck or, hey, these people are begging to be, you know, um, you know, rescued or whatever. And it's like we can't even really just too much, you know, encourage these people to advocate for themselves, uh, you know, for that representation and for that, that particular issue, because it's like, you know, we would have, to, I feel like we would just have to educate them on what they're, what we're advocating for to, at the, from, from the beginning. And what I feel like, you know, a lot of black, like I said, a lot of black people in our community don't really see climate change as the big issue. And so like, when it comes down to like advocating for, you know, our fair share of coverage, when it comes down to these weather events and different things like that, we don't really advocate for it because it's like, um, you know, we don't really care too much about these major hurricanes anyway. It's gonna come, it's gonna blow through, we'll be all right. And so I feel like, you know, like I said, um, you know, if we have better education on climate change and 
what is happening right now um, and that e even expanding the education outside of young people because what we're, what, what we're seeing right now is that more young people are, I, I wouldn't say, I'm not gonna say educated, but more young people are more interested in climate change than the older generation. And it's, I guess it's because, you know, they've been through these weather events, you know, a few times and it's just like, okay, you know, it is what, you know, I, it was hot back in our day, you know? So I, I don't know, but I, like I said, I definitely think that it's the education piece for me. Final thoughts before we wrap up the show. Um, I do thank you guys for this conversation. I definitely think it was a conversation that 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 was enlightening um just to kind of hear the perspective of you like like I said Miss Bryce and you know you know how she's fared you know with raising her children during the pandemic as well as Ashley um and how she's navigating you know through the science field you know and, and different things like that so I definitely wanted to make sure I had an episode where we kind of discussed that and I feel like this was the perfect episode seeing that you know we're right now in the midst of this major um spike in cases from the Delta variant so um any final words from both of you I just really like you know enjoyed this conversation Ashley I think this is the first time that we have met I really um admire what you do and I think it's super cool mm -hmm. so um I, I really like the opportunity to be able to engage with different people and yeah this has just been really awesome so thank you definitely I agree with all of those sentiments um I would like to say get vaccinated mm -hmm. wait <laughs> And Please. if you can give blood, give blood. Our, we were already low on blood at um, anyway in Mississippi. We always have a low supply of blood in Mississippi, but um, COVID and between COVID and a hurricane, our freezers are empty. So get vaccinated, give blood, and wear your mask. That's it. All right definitely um so yes once again thank you guys for for being a part of today's episode um it, like I said this conversation is exactly what I felt like you know the community needed um to kind of hear from a parent as well as someone who's working in the science field so I definitely enjoyed the conversation I thank both of you for agreeing to come on and you know share your experience and it's just share your knowledge on these issues um, so thank you guys. And um, for our guests, um, thank you guys for tuning in to the second episode of the Robert Wilson Show. Um, we are, this is our second episode. I was so excited with the numbers that we got from the first episode. So we are excited. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you can catch the show on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever there's a podcast. There, the, the show is on there so if you just want to listen on your browser you want to listen in your car on the way to work you can definitely find this show anywhere so thank you guys for tuning in and we're out <laughs>